Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings but are necessary to maintaining a strong republic. Today, we're going to be talking about school choice and rule America, starting with narrowing down our focus in Georgia. So before I bring my guests in, because I do have some special guests with me today, Let me give you kind of a backdrop as to why we're having this discussion. So school choice is a topic that is heavily debated by mostly Democrats versus Republicans. In a lot of cases, that's where the the huge debate starts. The Democrats like to argue that school choice is going to hurt communities and students. They feel that investing more money into our public schools is the best route to improving our failing school system. Republicans feel that we need to remove the government control. We need to give parents the option to pull their children out of schools where they're not being educated properly. We feel like on the Republican side that we have given so much money to our public school systems. We've given so much money to just several different outlets. And as a result of that, it seems like we're not getting better. We're still producing generations of kids who can't read at a, at, a, at a good level, who math is, is just failing, who are just struggling altogether. And as a result of that, we've started this debate around school choice, allowing parents to be able to take their kids to schools that are outside of their district or where they live, if that means that that other school is providing a better education. And why is this a huge topic? Because there are about 98 schools in Georgia, and this data is not 100% up to date because obviously we kind of do research and look at, we don't know, most concrete. So this data comes from 19, between ni- uh, 2019 and 2020. But there are 98 schools at the time that in Georgia that received an overall score of below 60 in, in the most recent available data that we have. And these schools are considered to be failing because of the range that they're in according to the state's accountability system. Many of these schools are found in minority or low-income communities. With recent studies, I'm seeing that they're, they're showing that about 59% of students are expected, or I'm sorry, about 59% of students are at the expected level when it comes to communication, literacy, math, emotional development, and that's just to name a few. Pretty much all across the board, we're only seeing about 59% of students that are actually hitting those levels, opposed to 72% in 2019. This year, the Georgia State Legislature presented a bill with within this past session, this 2023 legislative session. The bill was called the Georgia Promise Scholarship Act. It, is, it was the establishment of Promise Scholarship accounts 
or it's also called Senate Bill 233. And it focused on providing for the establishment of Promise scholarship accounts to be funded by the state in the amount of $6,000 for each of the participating students. So that's $6,000 per school, per year for each student. It also provided opportunity for parents to take that $6,000 and say, you know what, I don't really like what's happening right now in my school, so I'm going to go check out another school. I'm going to go see what they're talking about. This bill was extremely close to passing. It actually passed in the Senate, but then it ultimately failed in the House. And we were all expecting the majority of the opposition to come from Democrats. And that's pretty much what happened. There was one Democrat that did vote in support of this bill. But what about the Republicans? With us having majority in the Georgia House and Senate, that sh- this should have been a no-brainer. We should have been able to just pass it and move on. But no, the bill failed by just a few votes. Many of those came from rural Republican voters. They were rural representatives who are Republican who voted against the bill. Why is this important to me? This topic is extremely important to me because many of you may have known, but if you don't, my husband ran for U.S. Senate in 2021. He did not come out of the primary. Herschel Walker did. But while we were running for office, we visited all 159 counties here in the state of Georgia. Yes, you heard me correctly. There's 159 counties. (laughs) And no one wants to negotiate combining them. That topic has already come up, but there's too many families, names, and just history and legacy that's associated with it. So that was just not something that they wanted to discuss. (laughs) But we hit all of those counties, and we did it in 29 days, leaving us to hit about, on average, about seven counties a day. And we spent about an hour, an hour and a half in each county. And while my husband was speaking, he mentioned being in support of school choice. Well, there was a, t- a small town writer that was there who really made an impact on us because she raised her hand from the back and she said, here in this county, it was a very rural county, we are not in favor of school choice. It's not that we don't think that parents should have the right. It's not that we don't believe in that. It's just that school choice is going to be difficult for us. Now, what she said, and I'm interested to hear what our guest has to say, but what she said was that... The reason why is because of the fact that a lot of our schools are within like 40 mile radius. Parents have the availability to drive their kids back and forth. And then what happens to the kids who can't move? And it actually got me on this thought process of like, are we really are we even listening to our rural communities? Because instead of us just assuming, maybe we should have the discussion. So today we're speaking with a school choice advocate who lobbied in support of the bill and a Georgia state rep who voted against the bill. Today you'll hear from Representative Darlene Taylor. And in January 2021, Representative Taylor was sworn into office and she began serving as a House District Rep for District 173 in the Georgia General Assembly. Her district comprises of mostly Grady and Thomas counties. She's pro-life. She has a strong voice for healthcare, small business, including agribusiness, and now, I mean, and nonprofit organizations. She supports our veterans, local governments, and local control. 
She's current. She currently serves as a chairwoman of healthcare appropriations, and her office is located in the capital, with her district and constituent services office located in Thomas County. She's a chair. She's also a chairwoman, in honor to serve as chairwoman on the following legislative committees: governmental affairs. She's a chairwoman of the following legislative committees: government affairs legislative and congressional reapportionment agricultural and agricultural and consumer affairs special committee on health care insurance public health public safety homeland security transportation rules and all the above <laughs> representative taylor was a founding member of and still serves on the rural development council joining her we have amanda mcgee Amanda McGee is a licensed realtor and a consultant with the American Federation for Children, a school choice organization. Amanda formerly served as regional engagement coordinator for the RNC Black Engagement Community Center in College Park, Georgia. And she serves as strategic partnerships coordinator with Blexit Student Movement. Blexit is an organization that was um, founded by Candace Owens and I believe Brandon Tatum, Officer Brandon Tatum. She's also, um, and she's, um, the, she's, she is the coordinator of the Blexit Student Movement here in Georgia and is committed to conservative outreach. Blexit's peer pillars are near and dear to her heart. So we're going to have, after the break, we're going to have a break in just a few minutes. We're going to have both representative, both representative Darling Taylor and Amanda McGee come on in and speak with us regarding, and speak with us regarding um, this very, very important topic, which is school choice in rural America. Now, like I said, we're going to kind of hone in on the Georgia aspect of this conversation because it is extremely important that we do that. However, I really want to make sure that everyone is set up for this and know that we're not having a debate. We're having a discussion because one of the things that I felt when I spoke to people that were in the metro area around school choice is that I felt like we were a little dismissive, a little behind, and we just didn't really hear what was being said. And even recently, up until recording this, when I've had multiple conversations with people about this topic, whenever I would bring up some of the concerns that I heard happening in from the rural side, I would hear things like, oh, well, they can just get over it. Or, or oh, you know, they can just, you know... They, they need to just, you know, not not care so much about what how it's going to affect them. Think about it overall. What about the children? What about the children? But then I asked myself, well, what about the children? Right. So this is a very valid conversation that's happening on both sides of the aisle. So after the break, we're going to dive into this interview and you're going to hear from both of them. And I'm really excited for you to be able to. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. 
let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Kind of grasp this. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. So now we're going to bring in our guests. We have Representative Darlene Taylor and Amanda McGee. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Wonderful. So let's start with Representative Taylor. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) With Representative Taylor, so... I mentioned before the break about an experience that Kelvin and I had where we were campaigning and we stood in a rural county and we expressed our support support for school choice. And for the first time, I heard that this just was not something that was was favorable in that community. And when I asked why, it was really intriguing. I actually felt like it was a bit of a good argument. And so I, I really want to make sure that we kind of dive into this. And start with you explaining to us why some rural communities oppose the option of school choice. It's um, not so much school choice. It it had to do, I know, the bill that we just had to do with vouchers. Um, I will tell you, my home county, if you want to go to a school in our county, you can come from another county. You can come to it. There's no difference. You can become part of our school system. But that's not really the bill that we had, what it was about. Um, We have limited funds in rural communities. We have some counties that, quite frankly, I don't know how they support the school systems that they have. You have populations of less than 5,000 in a county, and they need to have resources. I can tell you, looking at the numbers for my county, if we were to take, just say we get a dozen, um, 8, 10, 12 kids come out of uh, one school, that's the loss of the cost of one teacher. We can't afford to take a teacher out of a school system. And no no kid's education is going to be exactly the same. Kids learn in different means and different ways. I, and I know um, it's not a matter of school choice to mm-hmm. some. They're seeing it as following the funds. I heard a lot from my constituents over the bill that we had about the voucher system. And um, you can call it vouchers. You can call it school choice, whatever you want to do. But it was a concern when you start taking money out of the local government and sending it somewhere else. It was a concern for my constituents, and I heard from many people, and it was probably 10 to 1 that they wanted to support our local school systems. We need every penny we can get. Um, It's a different lifestyle in rural Georgia than it is in the city. Even the suburbs are a little different. So we we do have a lot of animosity towards that, and it's not the choice. You you have choices if you want to go to another county or another system. And one of the things I will tell you we were proactive is um, putting in charter schools. My Thomas County school system put in a charter school, Mm -hmm. and it was for kids that learn at a different pace. There's a lot more online teaching. They have more flexible hours. And it was... 
uh, smaller uh, classroom sizes. So I think that there are other options that can be made to help individual students get the education they need. It's not a perfect system. Nothing is. Mm -hmm. But for rural Georgia, um, they felt like they need to support their school systems that we have. Interesting. So, Amanda, bringing you in, you are a strong advocate and supporter of the most recent voucher bill. Um, and you're also a mother and you're in the metro area. Can you tell us why you advocated for SB 223, 233? Well, because, because it's going to help children, you know, and it's important to note that these are state funds, not county funds. So overall, it's actually going to reduce the fiscal impact of educating children in our state. And in the metro area, it's, there's a lot of things happening in the school systems, and parents just feel trapped. And they want options, and that's really all this is. Uh, you mentioned I'm a mother, and I am a mother of an 11-year-old, and he's homeschooled, so he wouldn't even benefit from this bill but he testified on behalf of the bill because a lot of a lot of his friends that are stuck in these school systems they don't have the option that he has to stay home you know and we hear horror stories all the time and these funds are not county funds it's not going to bankrupt any counties these are actually state funds and it's the mm -hmm. fiscal responsible thing to do is to pass a bill like this because it's actually going to save the state money and it's going to help kids be able to have a better education and more options. Mm -hmm. um, I support the bill because it's 25% of the failing schools. You know, I don't understand how someone could vote that down. It's also very entrepreneurial because a lot of black entrepreneurs start school systems. Um, there's an organization called Black Minds Matter um, that Denisha Merriweather, or, really, or she's married now, Denisha Allen, um, she's an amazing school choice advocate, and she benefited from school choice in her home state of Florida. And she just goes around talking about how the spirit of entrepreneurship especially in the black community, we need more schools to open. And there's a stipulation in the bill that says the schools have to be open at least two years to receive these funds. So, again, I want to reiterate the fact that these are not county funds. These are state funds. Our state can afford it. It's the parents' choice where their, their children should go to school. And it's, it's not just private schools. It's public schools. <laughs> another public school you can homeschool as long as those funds are going towards your child's education and there's a mediator that is going to make sure that that happens that's all in the bill and i also want to mention that while this bill was on the floor all of these different i don't want to call them excuses but all of these different um you know alarms that people are saying they could have been addressed in, you know, but here we are. <laughs> okay, so I heard something that Representative Taylor said that I think sometimes we we miss, and that's the the impact to teachers, right? Um, this is something that I actually brought up the other day when I was talking to someone, 
I said, you know, if we did pull students out of these areas and out of these schools, then we're looking at losing teachers because there's just not enough students there for them to educate. And in a lot of our rural communities, there are um, there's not a lot of industry. So when you're looking at reduced amount of industry, this does impact um, the the just their ability to make a living for themselves. So Representative Taylor, would you agree with that or is that the argument or is there or, or am I off when it comes to that? No, you're you're really right on it because again, the the $6500 that follows each student um they are, quote, state funds, but they're a part, they're about a third, a, a large part of a budget for any school system. So when you withdraw it and you send it with another kid, it's still taking money out of. And, and frankly, the people in my district pay state taxes. And how it comes back to us, that's one way that taxpayers get their money is how it goes to their school system. And I, I know there are issues in schools. My, my children, uh, I have children that are already grown and out of the education system here. They graduated through public school. They got a great education. I was very proud of the school systems here. But through their 12 years in the public school system, we had times when there were issues with a teacher and the learning and the skills, what I thought were lacking in children learning. And you know what? I went to the superintendent and I went to my school board and we got action. We got these issues addressed. I think parents need to intervene. If you do not like the way your school board is operating or your school is working, you have recourses. Vote in a new uh, school board. See that this superintendent is taken to task. Um, I've talked to all of my superintendents, and we do have issues. We have a couple of schools that do need help. And what are they doing? I want to know their plans, and they've shared with me their plans. They do the things that we need to do, and they're working on bringing up the skills. Many of the issues are home issues. Many of them are individual issues that children have. Um, one of the things they're doing is even before third grade, they've got a plan and a program in place to have intervention at the first grade, second level. Where are they at those levels? Don't wait till the third grade and certainly don't wait till middle school. You have to follow your child and it's your responsibility as the parent all the way through. If you've got a no hope, the school system is that bad, vote them out and get a new board in. I. I can't um I can't advocate enough of how important it is for a kid to get an education. Every child, every child needs a good education. Again, every school, that's their job, that's their responsibility. And I think if a school is lacking, you go to your local people, you go to your local board, your superintendent. Those are the things where you start. I don't think we need to shift money. That's not going to fix it. Taking money from one and making it no longer whole does not make the other that's lacking hole. It just doesn't. It just puts a big hole in the one you're taking the money from. It just, in, in my mind, I don't see how that's going to work. I understand the need. Believe me, I do. And I had issues on a number of occasions with my kids. But at the same time, I got involved. I was there at the school system, knocking on the doors, finding out what was wrong. And we did. And it got addressed. And 
it made mm-hmm. a difference in the children of that year's class. It made it happened to have been a teacher that had some health issues and nobody knew it. And the children weren't learning. Mm-hmm. So it got addressed at that level and that's where it should be. But again, it took parent parental intervention to see it happen. Now you mentioned earlier that there's different lifestyles, right? In in the rural community mm-hmm. as well as the metro area. And I would kind of turn that a little bit because when you look at the metro area, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to having these discussions about voting out your school board, and a lot of times in these areas, there's like this Democratic stronghold, and it's really difficult to get enough Republicans or get enough people to kind of rally behind you in order to push these elected officials out. As Even when it comes to being involved, it's particularly, and this is in both sides of the aisle, I mean, on both sides, whether you're in rural or the metro area, depending on your income level, sometimes you just can't get to PTA meetings. Now, I'm not saying that's an excuse to not lead and not to take care of your family and not make certain decisions, but there are different factors that do come into play. So, Amanda, what are your thoughts on the idea of not necessarily shifting funds, but just, you know, allowing or, or, or advocating for us to get rid of our school board members? So getting rid of and voting legislators and school board members out is definitely a huge discussion that's happening right now um, because they're not really representing parents or families' best interests. Mm-hmm. And this bill included, you know, a lot of people are not happy with their school board and mm-hmm. some of the representatives. Um, there's one um, Democrat um, who voted with, you know, for the bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could say she didn't vote along party lines. She voted with, you know, conservatives or Republicans. And then you had 16 Republicans who voted with, some would say, the far left on this issue. So that's very interesting. You know, voting out our school boards and voting out some of our legislators who are representing their own personal opinions and their own mindset instead of what the parents are asking for. The data shows that parents all over the country, not just in Georgia, want this for their children. We're talking about this bill being the bottom 25% of failing schools. Um, So, you know, voting out our school board and voting out legislators that we don't feel are representing our best interests, yes, that's a huge thing that does need to happen, and it is happening. The data shows even with this small issue, well, it's not a small issue, it's a huge issue, but just this particular issue, school choice, the data shows that especially Republicans who vote against this bill, or not against this bill, but against school choice in general, usually don't do well, you know, when when there's a primary. So that's something to think about. Um, Republicans, even governors who take on this issue as something that they want to spearhead, they do very, very well because this is, at the end of the day, a bipartisan issue. It has support support on both sides of the aisle. It's not really about the political affiliation. It's more about the best interests of children and families. And just going back to what we were talking about in the rural communities, it benefits rural communities as well because you do see private schools and other school options that become available. Uh, You see that in Florida. You see that in 
uh, Arizona and other places and states that have rural communities. It benefits their children as well. And it's not really taking out funds and leaving a hole. Uh, 70% of kids actually stay in the school that they want to, uh, that they are originally in because it's more convenient for parents. And the data has shown schools don't just close up and everything just falls apart because parents have options. That's a myth. Mm. If you actually look at the data and read it, it benefits everyone. And those public schools have to step it up and get up to par. And they do. And they retain their students. And that's what this is, especially if you are a Republican, you believe in the spirit of capitalism and the spirit of competition. So if you're just keeping kids stuck in something that's failing and throwing more money at it, that's not the solution. Giving the parents the option is the solution. Governor so, Kemp mm-hmm. has, has given teachers $2,000 Uh, as a bonus you know teachers are being paid but actually teachers are quitting their jobs not because of school choice a lot of teachers love school choice because it limits their classroom size and it actually is a happier and healthier environment teachers are quitting their jobs because of the violence in the schools and the chaos in the schools Teachers are in more danger today than they've ever been in history. And it's because these schools are not up to standard. And you you keep throwing more and more money at the schools, and they're not improving. Reading standards are very low. All the data is showing that throwing more money at the school system isn't working. Putting the money into the parents' hands so that they can choose what's best for their children is the solution statistically and with empirical knowledge that actually works. So when, when so when I hear you, a lot of things that you're listing may not be, and I'm going to bring in Representative Taylor to correct me if I'm wrong, but it may not necessarily be issues that she's seeing in her district. And so I guess the question is for you, Representative Taylor, if you're not experiencing some of these same challenges, or even if you are but not on that same level, and if your constituents are asking you not to support something, um, then where do you... How how do you support the overall effort, knowing that these things are happening in our education system, while also supporting your constituents? Or where do you feel? Uh, where, where do you draw the line when it comes to that? Well, I will tell you that education is and should be a nonpartisan. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, or or non-involved. What counts is the education of the child. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. You always look at it, and it's going to come back to how do you fund it. Um, I. That's why we have the type of government that we do. It's a representation kind of government. We're not a pure democracy. We're a, de- we're a representative government, and I represent a rural area. Mm-hmm. And this was what I heard from my constituents. I support mm-hmm. my constituents. Um, is there a, a, a better way? Is there a better way to educate children? There is a difference. I don't have in my schools down here near the discipline problems that you have in the larger cities. Mm-hmm. You, you don't 
have that same level. I think that's a big part of the problem. Yes, there's discipline problems, there's things, but not to the level they have in the larger cities. Um, and as far as, again, following the money, when I saw how this bill, it did not have, um, again, I read my bills, so I had read the bill, mm -hmm. and I understand that there is a need. Mm -hmm. I get it. I understand why people would not want their kids to go to some of the schools. Our choice here is if you don't like your, our school system allows you to go to another school. You get your choice. Um, I, I will tell you, our, I'll use Thomas County where I live. They have one really large school for the kindergarten, preschool, and then first and second grade. And, and they're grouped in schools. And we have a, a busing system that picks up the kids. I also happen to have, I'm in one of the unusuals, I have a city school system also in, in the city of Thomasville. And they, again, they have their own buses. They have their own schools. The county does not have any schools that are in the uh, lower level. The mm -hmm. city does. And as I said, they're addressing their issues. They're doing what you're supposed to do. They're putting in the reading specialists. They're putting in those that will help the ones that are in need. I will tell you, our county school system, not only do they do those type of things and are addressing the issues before third grade for reading, for example, they also have a large um, classroom class facilities for the developmentally disabled. That's part of our school system. and. Parents in our area appreciate that. We have kids that come from other counties and come to Thomas County because mm -hmm. of the resources we have and the investment that we make. So I think every school is going to be different. I wish everybody could do the things the way my school system's doing it. Mm -hmm. They're not. Mm -hmm. I would say you need to look at your school system and work with them to find and fix the needs. But that's part of this is representative. Um, mm -hmm. My school system is, is divided into districts just like uh, congressmen are and just like state legislators and senators are. You represent the people in your area. If they had come to me and said, oh, no, we really need to do that. We need to have these choices. It doesn't fit into what our needs are in this area. We have a very, very good, um, effective private school in Thomas County also. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that school. Kids that want to go there, go there. The cities around here send their kids to their school, or they may send them across the county, which they're allowed to do, and go to the other school. So yeah. I don't know if it's a cooperative effort. I don't know if it's just the difference between rural and urban. But the needs of the students are met better in a um, smaller classroom. They're met better when you can do one-on-one -on -one and address the issues. And we found so much of it goes back to the interventions that happen young and in the early grades. I don't know if that's where the failings are in the Atlanta area. But again, taking funds away from the county school system would hurt the kids that are still going to be there. Yeah. If you were to lose, you mentioned 70% would stay where they are. If you took 25 or 30% of the children out of one of my schools, that would be devastating. That financially would be devastating to them. I don't think it would happen in mine, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It may be, let's have the opportunity. I want to do it just because. The, the part that we really haven't even addressed, which I think is important, was how are we going to 
uh, do the scaling to know if it's working. How long are we going to know? How long will it be before we know if it's been an effective education? Do we have somebody homeschool, have four kids, get $6,500 for each of the four kids, and how do we know they're getting their education? Are they sitting in front of a computer screen or the TV? I, I don't see where we can measure it. Do we get a monthly report card? Do we get it every six weeks? Or do they have one test every three years? How are we going to yeah. know the progress that they're making? Particularly homeschools. Um, I'm all for, you know, I'm a small business owner. That's what I've done all my life. I, yeah. I understand that, but I'm not ready to gamble on education for somebody's small business. I think that you need um, better controls over the outcomes and what would be following that money. How are you going to track it and know how effective it's been? Flushing out the details is definitely something that I would love to have y'all back on because we're actually up against a commercial break. Um, and after the break, I'm going to have you give your kind of your closing remarks, but I think I have a solution. I have a suggested solution that I think will work work well with both sides of the argument. So I'm going to present that. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. After the break, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King, and I am your host, Janelle King. And if you're joining us for the first time and you've missed most of the show, don't worry. You can listen to the full episode of my podcast, I will be uploading that this coming Tuesday. It's called Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. It's on every platform. And uh, you can also go to my social media, J King the Podcast, and click that link, and it will lead you to all the different ways that you can listen to the podcast. We're flushing out this conversation around school choice, vouchers, this whole debate around the metro area and rural communities. And we have two special guests. And, I mean, this conversation has been so good for me. I've learned a lot. We have representatives. Darlene Taylor, as well as um, Amanda McGee. Amanda McGee was an advocate for the voucher bill, Senate Bill uh, 233, and Representative Taylor voted against the bill, um, and she shared her perspective, and so did Amanda. So lastly, we want to end this segment with solutions. So I had a very, very quick solution. I feel like, why don't we do a phased approach? Why not just allow this program to start almost as a pilot in the metro area? And if there's rural communities that want to kind of jump on, they can, and then we kind of phase it out. But uh, Amanda, let's start with you really quick. Where, with in, in about you know two to three minutes, what are some solutions that you have that you think will work for both metro and rural communities? good point that you made you know um and actually that's exactly what this bill does it's the 25 percent of the lowest performing schools so that as darlene taylor pointed out that is pretty much the metro area so this bill pretty much is a pilot for the metro area and it being voted down for any reason 
it just it doesn't make much sense. Thank God it's in reconsideration. But some solutions are to just keep in mind that, you know, you mentioned things like control and you want to be in people's homes and find out what they're homeschooling. You know, that's just it's an overreach. It's an overreach. It's not something that legislators are representing the, the needs of the parents and the needs of their constituents. Um, the claim that school choice in rural areas isn't necessary because there's fewer educational options, is that's also false. You know, seven in 10 rural families live within 10 miles of a private elementary school. Um, I mentioned Arizona earlier. They benefit from this as well. And it's just important to point out that this it's a huge myth and a misconception that putting the money in parents' hands and giving them the option is going to defund public schools. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. It, it just hasn't happened. The only way that public schools close is when there's just so much violence and chaos, but it, there's no statistics or any data all over the country that shows that school choice has defunded or made any public schools closed. It just hasn't happened. If anything, it improves the school systems all over that state. More private schools will pop up. Um, and, you know, they do have to be up to standard. There are testing. There are, you know, standardized tests and different mm-hmm milestones that even homeschool parents have to meet. You have to do research about these things before you continue to just spread false information and myths to fearmonger people out of their own tax dollars to educate their children in their best interests. That's mm-hmm. that's government overreach and that's not what we want. We yeah. want our freedom, our constitutional right to educate our children in the best way possible. You know, the data shows that homeschooling kids do very well in life and in school. Uh, Private school children do well, so do public and charter school kids. It's not about you and your personal opinion of what school someone else's children should go to. It's for the family. So the solution is to vote yes on SB 233 to get some of these kids in the metro area out of the failing schools they're in if that's what their parents choose to do with the money. If the parents want to keep the kid in the school, that's what that's their choice and decision. You know, there are there is a mediator, there's a third party that will be making sure that the funds go directly to the child's education. But it's important to note that it is not a legislator's choice where so, their constituents send their children to school. Those are the choices of the parents and families. And when you, the data has shown all over the country, yeah. this is a very successful program. ESAs work so well. Education well, Savings Account has saved so many children's lives and their education. And they've had opportunities that are well, man, unimaginable. Don't. It's amazing. You know, so not to cut you off, because I want to make sure we have enough time for Representative Darling Taylor, but we we also have to understand that 
she is listening to her constituents, right? If her constituents are saying this is not what they want, then that that's not necessarily misinformation. That would be her listening to them. But Representative Taylor, what would you say is your um, solutions to this that you think will benefit both? I do think that there is a solution. I think we need to find those, and we have identified who those failing schools are. I think there needs to be a super team, whatever you want to call it, from the state superintendent of school, from our state board. We need to have those that go into the elementary school and find out, or it may be middle school, high school, but wherever it is, and you zero in on them. I call them by super team, whatever you want to do. You get them early on. You fix those schools. And I don't think we should take the money away from the schools that are existing. Let the governor go into the budget and find some money. Um, there's, mm-hmm. Right now, our state is in pretty good shape. You find money to try this. Try it as, like you said, you want to have a, uh, a trial run on it. Find those schools. Find out how we can save those schools. Get the teachers that are dedicated to getting those. I, I keep talking about reading because that's the fundamental. Once you teach them to read, you open their door and their life. And I think that's where a lot of this starts at. Get them in those elementary schools. Get them with the super teachers, smaller classrooms, and have those um, heavy hitters in there, fixing them before they move on. And we have got to stop passing them on before they can read. I think that's a Mm -hmm. big part of it. But you're right. Uh, I will tell you that intervention is the way to fix this. And it may, may need to be on individual students. And I think it's the same way it has to be individual schools that are having these failing problems. Is it the leadership in the school? Is it the community? Or is it a teacher that's lacking? And fix it at that level. I understand, mm-hmm. but I will say I don't believe in the Constitution. It gives you the right to a education that you want to have. It, we have rules. Our Constitution doesn't word it that way. You have the right to raise your child. You have the right. It's the obligation of the state that says that you have to have an education and you have to offer it to every student in this state. And if it's failing, it's failing at the local level. And I think that's where we need to go fix it. Atlanta does have problems. I get that. I have grandchildren that live in the greater Atlanta area. And I have concerns with their schools, but they're learning and their parents stay involved at that level. So I, I yeah. do feel like it is something I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Fix the ones that are ailing. Have those interventions on the levels where they are needed. And I think that will be a better than just taking out a third of the money. So would you would you support SB 233 if they were to amend it where it was specific, where it stated that this is a pilot program that's going to go towards just helping the schools that need it particularly in the metro area? Not to take the money away from the school system. Have the money directed. It probably needs to be additional funds to put in um, super teachers to go in to those that are failing. I think that it is, and it's not that I like to spend money. Trust me, I'm on the appropriations. And it's not to be out there just to spend money. It's to fix the problem. And it is starting at those lower levels. Get in there at the beginning ages. You open a child's eyes and their minds when they can read at an early age. And I think that's where we fail students. I would say at that early elementary, get them learning early, get them at that level, and it helps them through the rest of their life. And put specialty teachers in there. 
and get them on mm-hmm. par before you move them out. If you can't read at third grade, you don't get to go to the fourth grade. If yeah. you need tutoring, you need tutoring. But get it to try that and get the extra funds at some of those schools and see if that fixes it. Does that work? Sometimes the classrooms, you, you can't have 30 kids in a classroom and the one that's falling behind can't drag everybody down. I, I understand that Absolutely. and I understand the I, need. Yeah. I, I sorry, I hate to cut you off. We are <laughs> at the end. <laughs> but thank you. I will say this. So I did support this initiative and I I, I personally want to see this initiative take place on a um, I guess you can call it on a pilot level because I do feel that there are some schools that desperately need a quick interaction. But thank you to both of you ladies. I would love to have you both back if that is possible so we can continue this discussion. And um, to those who are listening, I love feedback. I love engagement. Please make sure you follow me on all social media platforms, like, share, comment, and listen and rate the podcast. We've talked about it. Now you go talk about it. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Alana, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 